I was just thinking not only about how thankful I am that you choose to be here on Wednesday nights, but I was thinking about the fact that the, the ministry staff and the shepherds have all really been impressed and excited about the fact that uh, as we've grown in our Sunday morning attendance and, and as people have begun to, to make their way back to in-person worship and services, our Sunday morning Bible classes and sort of the ratio between class and worship has stayed so incredibly high that there are so many people in Bible classes on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, and I think that is just so incredibly wonderful. And I, I again, I, I know I tell you on Wednesday nights, if you're here on a regular basis, or even if you're just here tonight, that I know that Wednesday night is tough. It's tough to make time in the middle of the week with everything else that you have going on to be here, to get your family here, to, to come across town. Some of you travel from quite a ways to be here on a Wednesday night. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your presence means the world to me and to all of us. And I'm so excited to continue studying the book of James with you. One of, the, one of the core doctrines of Christianity, one of the things that makes Christianity so unique is that we are saved by grace through faith, right? Ephesians chapter 2. Paul's argument in so many of his books is that we are saved we are in a right covenant relationship with God. We are God's children because of our faith in Jesus. Our faith in Jesus is the foundation and the basis of our right covenant relationship with God. And I think by that, Paul typically has two things in mind. One is that you can't earn your salvation, especially in Ephesians 2. His point is that it's not by works because if it was by works, then you would boast, right? It's not by works so that nobody can boast. Nobody can say, I, I deserve God's love. I deserve to be one of God's children. I've worked really hard for this. This is my wage. I've earned this. And so part of it is that you can't boast about it because it's not by works. It's not because you've earned it or you've merited it. And the other part is that it's not on the basis of ethnicity or culture. And I know that for us, that's not necessarily as big of a, a, a deciding factor as it was for the people in the first century, but for so long, the Jewish people had believed that they were God's covenant people because they were Jewish, not just because of their, their ethnicity, but also because of their culture, because they kept the cultural markings, circumcision, the food they ate, the holidays they kept, and because of their Jewishness, that meant that they were in a right covenant relationship with God and that the Messiah was saving specifically them. And so Paul's argument was like, no, no, you're not saved because you're Jewish, either in your ethnicity or in your culture. You're not saved because you're circumcised and you're not saved because you've done enough good stuff to merit salvation. You are saved because you put your faith in what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do in raising you from the dead. That's why you're saved. You are God's people because of your faith in Jesus. That's the basis of your salvation. Now, James has a relevant word for us as well, because again, as we've been talking, as we've already started, just barely started in the book of James, we've seen that for James's audience, they're so much like us. And it's really easy for us to begin to think, that things like faith 
or religion, that this is something that takes place between our ears, that this is something we think about, maybe it's something we talk about, but it's maybe something we debate about, we teach about, but it's, it's an intellectual exercise. And, and James says, no, if that's your idea of faith, if your idea of faith is merely an intellectual exercise, if it's just about what's going on in your head, you're missing something that makes your faith not a living faith. And again, you may or may not be familiar with what we're going to read, but even if, even if you are super familiar with it, I, I want us to listen to it and read it as if we're reading it for the first time. And not think about anybody else, not think about our neighbors, or not think about our relatives or somebody that we know, but think about ourselves and think about our own relationship with the Lord. And, and some of us may really need to hear Paul, and we may need to hear, we may need to hear that we are saved and in a right covenant relationship because of our faith in Jesus. And James is not contradicting or arguing with or adding anything to or taking anything away from Paul. You are in a right covenant relationship with God because of your faith in Jesus, but your faith in Jesus has to be more than merely an intellectual exercise. And so that's the question for us tonight. As we wrestle with what James says, is your faith in Jesus merely an intellectual exercise? Or is it something more? So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in James chapter 2 and verse 14. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Now, this is sort of a pattern. And I tried to look through James and he says it differently. There's not, not really sort of a wording that's the same throughout the entire book. But, but this is a common thread. If you were to just sit down with the book of James and read it from, one, from the beginning to the end in one setting, which you know me, I, I love to encourage people to do that. And if you were to sit down with the book of James, you'd see that he, he talks this way. And he talks about what you say versus what is so. You, you say this, or if someone says this, and really he's, he's helping us to see that religious people tend to fool themselves, don't they? And by they, I mean, don't I? Don't you? Don't we? Don't we tend to fool ourselves and say, oh, well, I'm religious. And that's what we talked about last week. I'm, I'm a religious person, or I'm a person of faith. I have faith, or I have love. I'm a loving person, or I'm a teacher, or I'd like to be a teacher, or I'm wise. And so he's going to go through all of these things and say, if you're the kind of person who says you're religious, or if you're the kind of person who says that you're wise, or you're the kind of person who says that you have faith, or you're the kind of person that wants to be a teacher, hold on, wait a second, because there's a difference sometimes between what you say and what is so. And so if you say you have faith, but you don't have what? Works, works. What are, you, what are you doing? 
Now again, James is talking to Christian people. He's not talking to people out in the world. He's talking to Christian people and Christian people who like to sit around and pat themselves on the back for saying, I'm religious and I'm a person of faith and I'm pretty wise and I'd like to teach people and I want to say something. And he's saying, stop saying you're religious. Stop saying you have faith. Stop saying you're wise. Stop saying you want to be a teacher and ask, do you have works? What are you doing? You remember what we just read last week about what is religion, pure and undefiled religion before God is to take care of the widows and the orphans and their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Like, are you doing that? Because if you say you have faith, but you're not doing that, then he asked this question, can that faith save him? Now, this is really important. This question right here helps us and it frames the rest of what he's going to say he's not saying can faith save you or can faith save a person he's saying can that faith save him what faith that kind of faith that's workless. you say you have faith but you don't have any works you're not doing anything. You're not helping anybody. You're not serving anyone. You're not doing good. You're not loving your neighbor. You're not blessing others. But you say you have faith. If that's what your faith looks like, faith, that kind of faith, that kind of faith that is workless, can that kind of workless faith save him? And what's James's answer, obviously? No. Not even, right? Not even. No, that kind of faith cannot save him. Verses 15 and 16. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? See, James's whole point from the beginning of the book to the end of the book is what we say, talk is cheap right talk is cheap you say you have faith what what good is that what good is a christian who says i have faith what good is a christian who says i have religion what good is a christian who says i have wisdom what good is a christian who says i have love about as much good as a christian who says be warmed and well fed what what difference does that make how much good does that do a hungry person how much good does that do a naked person? How much good does that do a homeless person? Words are cheap. From beginning to end, he's saying, listen, it's, it's not about what you think is true about you. It's not what you say is true about you. It's what is proved is true about you by what you're doing. What good is it to wish someone well without actually doing good for them? Now, if you want them to be warmed and well-fed, then give them food to eat. Then put clothes on their back. Then give them warmth and give them food. That's how you make sure they're warmed and well-fed, not just with your words. Now, again, this hits James's audience, I'm sure, right between the eyes, but I'm even more sure that it hits us between the eyes. Because we love to talk about religion. We love to think about religion. We love to talk about faith. We love to think about faith. We love to contemplate things. But 
Jesus calls us to be disciples, not just philosophers. And James is Jesus' little brother. James knows that Jesus is calling his people to live out their faith, not to just talk about their faith. James isn't against talking, obviously. He's, he's a preacher. He, he's writing a book. He, he's, he's for teaching true doctrine. He's for teaching faith. He's for teaching truth. But this faith, this religion, this truth has to move us to action. Because as he asks, what good is it to talk if your talk has no action? He says in verse 17, so also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Dead. Faith by itself, without works, is dead. He says that a faith that doesn't have works is dead. So what would that mean that a faith that does have works is? That's a what? Alive, right? It's a living faith. A living faith works. A living faith works. That's what living faith does. Living faith works. He says, but a, a faith that doesn't work, and that's the sort of faith, apparently, that the audience he's talking to, that they had, was a faith that didn't work. A faith that wasn't doing much of anything. Now, again, remember how James began all of this by saying, be, be quick to what? Listen, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because he knew, he knew, as soon as I start telling y'all, as soon as I start telling you that you're, you're showing partiality, and you're saying you're religious, but you're not, and, and, and here you say you have faith, but you don't have any works, that the tendency would be to get angry, get defensive, right? No, how dare you say that about me? And wait, wait, just, just wait, just listen. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He's saying this, this word, this truth might just save your soul. Yes, yes, amen and amen. I'm sure that if James was sitting there as Paul was preaching the gospel, and I'm sure that James preached the exact same thing that Paul preached, that we are saved by grace through faith, and if he was sitting there as Paul said that, he'd say, amen and amen, Brother Paul. But if there were people who took that to mean, or if any of us are tempted to take that to mean, that, oh, so I don't have to do anything then, right? I just sit back, and I'm good, and I, I have faith. He says, no, 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 not that kind of faith. That's not the sort of faith that I'm talking about. I'm talking about living faith. And living faith does what? It works. Living faith works. And dead faith doesn't. So this is the type of faith he's talking about. He's talking about faith by itself without any works. Faith that doesn't work or a workless faith is a dead faith. And then by contrast, a faith that works is a living faith. That's what faith does. Living faith works. Just like all kinds of things you could say about a living person a living person breathes. That's what living people do. Living people move. That's what living people do. Living people grow. That's what living people do. 
And he says, faith, if it's living, it will work. And if it doesn't work, it's not living, it's dead. James chapter 2 and verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He's saying, if there's somebody saying, oh, some people have faith and some people have works, he says, no, 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 you you can't demonstrate or show faith except by what? Works. That's how you demonstrate that you have faith. Show me your faith. How can you show faith without working, without doing something? It might be like saying that I, I love my wife. Okay, if I say I, I love my wife, and then she says, yeah, but honey, you, you never do anything kind for me, then can I really say I love her if I'm never kind to her? If, if love is just an intellectual exercise, if it's just a thought that I have in my head, if it's just a feeling I have in my heart, but it isn't expressed or demonstrated or shown through kindness, then that type of love, if you could even call it that, that type of love is dead. It's not real love. A love that doesn't do things, that doesn't show kindness, a love that isn't patient and kind and gentle, a love that doesn't demonstrate its love and affection, isn't really love. And Paul says, or James rather, James says, if you want to demonstrate your faith it has to be by your works. Works is how you are how you demonstrate your faith. And again, we, we got to apply this to ourselves, don't we? It's one thing to say we have faith. And, and usually the person to whom we say it is ourselves. And it's one thing, and it's really easy, isn't it? That's why this book is so convicting and why we have to fight the urge to be defensive. That it's, it's really easy to come and sing the songs and participate in the prayers and to be a part of what goes on here. And this is important. This shapes and should shape the rest of our week and the rest of our life what we do on Sundays and what we do on Wednesdays and what we do when we have our morning devotionals or we open up our Bibles and we read through them or we say prayers with our family. These types of exercises should shape us and motivate us for the rest of the week. But if the rest of the week, there's not a a living out of our faith, a demonstrating of our faith, a showing of our faith, then could you even call it faith? James says, if you have faith, it will be shown, it will be demonstrated through your works. It will be demonstrated through what you do. Now again, sort of both pieces are incredibly important, aren't they? He's not just talking about works, not just talking about doing good things, because all kinds of people can do good things, right? You don't have to be a believer in Jesus to do nice or good or wonderful things. You don't have to be a believer in Jesus to feed the hungry and put clothes on the backs of people that need them. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to do 
good and loving and benevolent and kind actions and works. But if you are a believer in Jesus, that belief in Jesus, that faith in Jesus should motivate you to works, to doing good, to loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, to loving your neighbors, to even loving your enemies. It's not, it's not works that are motivated by our own goodness and our own heart. It, they're works that are motivated by our faith. They're demonstrations of our faith. They're showing our faith. But a faith that doesn't show anything, a faith that doesn't demonstrate anything, a faith that is workless is not a living faith. He says, we could even talk about this, even the demons believe and shudder. Right? The, the demons have a, a, a belief. They have a, an intellectual knowledge about God. They know who God is. But are they serving him? Are they devoted to him? Have they given their allegiance to him? Are they in submission to him? Are they living out their faith? Of course not. They're in rebellion to him. And, and we have to examine our own lives and our own actions to say, are my actions demonstrating my faith. James chapter 2 and verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So we might, we might say it like this, that, that faith and works, they're obviously distinct in some way, aren't they? They're distinct in some way. You can talk about them distinctly, but you cannot possess them separately. Right? Or at least you cannot possess faith, living, saving, active faith without works. That these two things go together. You can discuss them distinctly, but you can't possess them separately. You can't have them one without the other. Christian works come from a Christian faith. And a Christian faith works itself out in, demonstrates itself in, works in doing what is good and what is right. So we might put it like this. A workless faith is a worthless faith, right? He says it's, it's useless. This type of faith, this type of faith that's merely intellectual, this type of faith that doesn't work, this type of faith is a worthless faith. You, you may have heard this story before, and I think there's actually some historicity to it, but there's a story about a guy, I can't remember his name, but he, he stretched a tightrope across Niagara Falls, and he would, he would walk across this tightrope, and of course, after a while, he wanted to demonstrate that he could do more than just walk across the tightrope, and he could do all kinds of things on the tightrope, and he'd walk back and forth, and crowds would come around, and they would all applaud, and it was amazing to watch him. And eventually, he, he pushed a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls out on this tightrope, and he turned around, and he came back across. Everybody was, oh, yeah, that's wonderful. And then he asked, do you believe that I could go across the tightrope with the wheelbarrow with somebody inside of it? And, oh, yes, absolutely, you can do that, absolutely. And then he asked for a volunteer, <laughs> right? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. I mean, those, those two things could be discussed separately. Do you believe that he can go across and back with someone in the wheelbarrow. Yes, I believe that. Get in the wheelbarrow. 
I don't know about that. Why? I'm afraid I'm going to fall. Then do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Now, you could talk about those two things distinctly, the intellectual exercise of saying, can he do that? And then the actual action of getting into the wheelbarrow. But you really can't possess them separately. The only way you get into the wheelbarrow is if you really believe that he can do it. And if you really believe that he can do it, what's stopping you from getting into the wheelbarrow? That's where we find ourselves as followers of Jesus. That faith has to be more than an intellectual exercise. It has to be more than just, yes, 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 I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yes, 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 I believe that 2,000 years ago God raised him from the dead. Yes, I believe he ascended to the throne and he's reigning over heaven and earth and I believe he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, but what are you doing in your life that only makes sense in light of those truths? That has no other explanation behind it. When Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christian people are, if there's no resurrection, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen and and Jesus isn't going to raise the rest of us from the dead when he comes, then everything we're doing is ridiculous and stupid and we should just stop it. We are the most pitiable people. And then I hear Christians, by contrast, today saying things like, well, even if Jesus isn't the Son of God, even if God isn't real, then what we're doing still makes sense. Then I would argue you're probably not really following Jesus. If what you're doing still makes sense, even if Jesus isn't alive and reigning as king, then what you're doing isn't really by faith. What are you doing that only makes sense in light of the gospel? What are you doing on a day in and day out basis? How are you spending your money that only makes sense in light of the gospel? How are you parenting in a way that only makes sense in light of the gospel? How are you loving your neighbor and your coworker and your boss and your spouse? How are you doing what you're doing in your life? How many things are you doing in your life that only make sense in light of the gospel? See, this is what makes Christianity amazing. That we have done things like turn the other cheek and love our enemies. That doesn't make any sense if we're not going to be raised from the dead. If we're not going to be raised from the dead and vindicated and the, the evil and wicked people of the world are going to be judged, if that's not going to happen, then it doesn't make any sense to love our enemies. But if Jesus really is in charge of the world, if we really do overcome evil by doing good, then what we're doing here and what we're doing because we come here makes all the sense in the world because the resurrection of Jesus is true. And James's argument is, if your faith is just an intellectual exercise, if it is a workless faith, then it is a worthless faith. It's as worthless as telling somebody that's hungry, I hope you find some food when you have food to give them. I hope you find some clothes and some warmth when you have warmth and clothes to give them. Verse 21. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. This phrase, active along with, it it really means, in fact, the word, the Greek word that's translated as active along with 
is one word, and it's sort of a compound word, and it's with and work. It's work with. That your faith is working with, or rather Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith was working with his works. His faith was working with his works. His faith was working. His faith was working. Do you remember God told Abraham to take his son, his only son Isaac, the son that God promised through Isaac that all of the blessings are going to come. It's through Isaac that I'm going to keep all of my promises. And Abraham had waited and waited and waited and finally God gave him the son that he had promised. And then God says, sacrifice your son. It's it's that moment, get in the wheelbarrow, right? Get in. And Abraham gets in. And, And so James says, you see, it was his working with his works. Or rather, his faith was working. His faith worked. He didn't have a workless faith. When Abraham was justified, when Abraham was saved, when Abraham was counted as righteous, it wasn't because Abraham had a workless faith. It was because he had a faith that worked with his works. He worked out his faith with his works. The reason why he said, okay, I don't want to put a knife through my son, but I guess if this is what you tell me to do, then you're probably going to raise him from the dead. I'm sure you could do that. And you're going to somehow bring him back to life and somehow you're going to keep your promises through the son. And I said, I believed you, so I'm going to do what you told me to do. It would be hypocritical to say, I believe you and I trust you, but I'm not willing to obey you. So James says, the kind of faith that Abraham had, if you want to point at Abraham and say, well, I'm I'm like Abraham. I'm justified because I have faith in God, just like Abraham was justified by his faith in God. James would say, yes, okay, that's true. But Abraham was also justified by his works because he had a faith that worked with his works. He had a faith that was accompanied with works. And then he uses this word completed by It means that it reached its intended target. It accomplished its mission. Faith accomplishes its mission when it works, when it does something, right? It's it's worthless. It's worthless to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe you, God. I believe you, Jesus, if you're not going to come on mission with him. Jesus says, to his disciples, go into all the world and make what? Disciples. Disciples. He doesn't say, go into all the world and make saved people who will think about me all the time. He says, go into all the world and make disciples who will obey everything that I've commanded them. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded them. Teach them to be disciples. What's a disciple? A follower. That's what faith compels us to do. That's the completion of faith. Faith works. And the working and the actions are the completion of or the crossing the finish line of faith. This is what faith does. It would be hypocritical for us to say, oh, yes, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, but I don't want to follow you. I'd really like you to save me, but I really don't want to follow you. I don't want to die to my sins. I don't want to, you know, live by faith and walk in newness of life. That all sounds pretty hard. You know, I don't want any of that. I want a savior, but I don't want a king. 
I want a savior, but I don't want a rabbi or a teacher who's going to teach me how to live my life differently. I don't want to actually trust you with my checkbook and my family and my life and my behavior and my well-being, but I'd really like you to take away my sins. It doesn't work that way. If we say we trust Jesus, then we are surrendering ourselves to him. And James says, this is, the, this is what faith looks like. This is, this is the demonstration of faith. This is the completion of faith. He says in verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see, Genesis chapter 15 says that Abraham believed God and so God counted him as righteous. God says, you're, you're my friend you're righteous. You're in a right covenant relationship with me. And then later in chapter 22 is when Abraham is willing to sacrifice Isaac. Now, of course, he stopped before he actually sacrifices his son, but he's willing to do that. And so James says that the fact that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son was a fulfillment of what God had already said when he said, you have faith and I'm going to count your faith as righteousness. And then later when he followed through on his faith, when he acted out his faith, when he demonstrated his faith, when he showed his faith, when his faith was completed, it was a fulfillment of faith. Because that's what faith does. Faith acts. Faith completes, or rather works complete faith. So Abraham worked because he had a living faith. Here's some of the things James has said. So works are the demonstration of faith, chapter 2 and verse 18. Works are the working of faith, verse 22. Works are the completion of faith, verse 22. And finally, works are the fulfillment of faith, verse 23. So this is what faith does. This is what living faith does. Living faith demonstrates itself by works. Works are the working of faith. Works are the completion of faith. Works are the fulfillment of faith. So then when James says in verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. What does he mean by faith alone? He means faith without works, workless faith. And what kind of works is he talking about? Just any old good works and as long as you're a good person and you do good things, then you're saved. No, you, we can't take this verse out of context. It's, it's works that are a demonstration of faith. It's works that are a working of faith. It's works that are a completion of faith. It's works that are a fulfillment of faith. Verse 25, he says, In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? In the, in the book of Joshua, Rahab says, I believe that Yahweh, that the God of Israel, is God. And I believe... He's, he's stronger than our gods, and I believe that you're going to conquer our place. But if she had just said that and said, yeah, this God's probably going to win, and she hadn't done anything, what good would it have done her? None. She would have ended up in the same place as everybody else in Jericho. But because she believed, she acted. Verse 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. See, what does the spirit do in a body? It animates the body, right? The body acts and is animated and has action because of the spirit. 
And a body without a spirit is dead. It's inanimate. An inanimate body is dead. And James says the same is true with faith. An inanimate faith is dead. An inanimate faith is dead. A faith that doesn't do anything, a faith that doesn't have works, is dead. So here's the question, the thought for us to end with tonight. Check your faith for signs of life. Is your faith animated? Is your faith doing anything? What is your faith doing? Yes, we are saved by grace through faith. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot merit your salvation. You're not saved because of your ethnicity or your culture or your family or who your parents were. You're saved because you put your faith in Jesus. But what is your faith in Jesus moving you to do? Because a workless faith is a worthless faith. A living faith is an active faith. So check your faith for signs of life. Let's pray. Father God, we, we are humbled at this word that James has given to us. And Father, we pray that you help us to check our hearts, check our minds, but also to check our life and to check our works and to examine our faith and ask whether or not our faith is working. Help us, Father, to be people of action not just of words, not just of thought. Help us, Father, to not just be philosophers, but to be disciples, actively following your son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the salvation that he has lavished upon us, for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Father, help us to be moved by our loyalty and allegiance and faith in Jesus to do good works that you have prepared beforehand for us to do. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.